I'm Dr. Gene Hansen. For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, July 8th, 2017. The economic health of this nation has been... Essential economic freedom. The excessive decline in the dollar, lack of a better word. The late rally on Wall Street. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Good morning, good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on radio. I'm Troy Harmon, here with the same two guys. Got two repeat. weeks in a row, That's we right. got Casey Smith and Jarrett McKenzie, both of whom have the CFP designation, both of whom have an MBA behind their name. This is where it gets different, though. Jarrett. Why you got to bring this up every <laughs> What? I'm trying to inspire you, Casey. I'm just I'm, has four kids, down. and Casey has two. Is that what we were talking yeah. about? Oh, oh, there's another. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and uh, you have a CWS, with, which means what again? It's that is a certified wealth strategist. Certified wealth yep. strategist. A lot like so. the CFP. You uh, got that one first, right? You I did. For your CFP? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it was a good basis for it, too. I think it really helped out a good bit to have that, and especially as far as, you know, talking to clients and interacting with them and, and connecting with them in a way that, you know, it's, it's makes a little some of this more easy to understand if you don't do it every day. So Yeah. Uh, All right. Good stuff. So what do you talk about in there? Is it still like trusts and Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it's it's, it's very generalist, like kind of like the CFP is in that it's not specific to, say, tax or state planning. But, in fact, it just touches on all those things and really gives us more of a general basis for those things to discuss them at you know a certain length, but not at the length you would if you were to hire or engage an attorney or CPA. And so, uh, But just having some of that basis really allows us to kind of expand on some broader topics that clients may face. So, um, all right. Yeah. So uh, suffice it to say, Jarrett is is highly qualified to give investment advice, wealth strategies, uh, any kind of financial planning advice. KC, on the other hand, is probably equally as qualified. He is. Yeah, I learned a lot from this guy. On the other hand, you learned yeah. a lot from Casey. Oh, I did. Shucks, <laughs> <laughs> I did. Spent, can spent quite a few years with this man. You can quit hugging. That's now. Right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. They can't sorry. see that Get off on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we got. Just uh, got weird. <laughs> no, they've been weird. If, uh, if nobody believes that, just hang around a few minutes yeah. and you'll you'll believe it. Uh, Jarrett was taking. Uh, credit earlier for the market going down. So, Jarrett, uh, sometimes right. it's good to be right, and sometimes it's good to not be a well, jerk. Well, that's what I was going to say. Um, boy, which one <laughs> I, are you today again? I didn't make any money last week, but I still have my pride yeah. uh, because well, I was one of the only three of us that said last week the market was going down, mainly because you guys thought it was going up. One of the only three, are you saying the only one of the three? Well, tomato, tomato, you know. All right, so that's your way of bragging. This is like <laughs> you're a like the guy who brag. picks picks against the Falcons but, every week. Just, listen, so uh, yeah. you hope you'll be wrong. And but I tell you, my streak is up because normally when I say it goes down, it's you're, going in the other direction. There right. really was, yeah. was a, an attempt to drive the market up, but my my mojo's gone. Your mojo, Troy. Is I out. think that's a that's a contrarian indicator. We need to watch out. It is. Uh, <laughs> you get uh, you get folks that aren't aren't real. Uh, 
uh, astute on the markets, which, hmm. I mean, we just said you're qualified. How can we now throw rocks at you? This this yeah. is a very difficult exactly. for, spot for we me. We said wealth strategy and financial planning. We didn't <laughs> say anything about the markets. All right. Let's just back off. Of, that's your department. Yeah. Throwing darts. There we go. All right. Well, the market was down 0.43%. Uh, last week, real estate led the way lower, uh, down 2%. Consumer discretionary is down 1.35. The big winner, financials, was up 1.22. Um, but there's not a whole lot to brag about. I guess it's uh, it's trailing the market. Financial sector is trailing the market slightly uh, on the year down, uh, or up rather, 8.19%. The overall S&P 500 is up 8.86%. The big winners, we hear this all the time lately, information technology, 16.5% higher on the year. Um, that's pretty good stuff. Absolutely. Uh, following on its heels, healthcare, 15.3%. And then uh, toward the other end of the spectrum, we've got energy down 13.5%, as well as telecoms, which are down 11%. Now, telecoms had quite a rally in 2016. It uh, just looks like they're giving a whole lot back. And when you think about telecoms, um, you know, I'm I'm the first guy to throw rocks at the Dow Jones Industrials. This is just 30 companies. They're they're uh, it's a, a price weighted strategy, which I won't get into the details, but it actually doesn't give you uh, a real good indicator as to what the overall market's doing. But uh, when you talk about telecom, the sector for the S&P 500 is about five or six companies. It's um, uh, one of those that's dominated by Verizon and AT&T. So yeah. uh, that's pretty much what we're saying is those two stocks are down 11% on the year when we talk about that. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, it wasn't the best of, uh, of weeks. We see a little volatility. We got a lot of news uh, out of the economy. Um, last Friday, we heard that uh, growth in uh, nominal personal income picked up slightly 0.4%. Um, you know, it's it's not the greatest thing, but 0.4% uh, month over month would be awesome. We, uh, um, it is moving in the right direction, I guess you can at least yeah, say that. That's true. Uh, University of Michigan's consumer sentiment uh, survey dropped two points. It's uh, down to 95.1. It's still, you know, in a high range. Uh, consumers still seem to feel uh, overall pretty good. About That's a pretty their, pretty high number. I mean, it, it is. is it, anything over 50 is considered well, positive? Is yeah, that not so much in this particular case, but in, in most of the uh, economic indicators we get, yes, absolutely, 50 is uh, is uh, expansionary. So right. uh, 50 or greater, greater than 50 is expansionary. So we've got uh, U.S. durable goods uh, ended the second quarter on a good note, talking about over 50. This was at 57.8. It was 2.9% high, 2.9 points higher. Um, so uh, good news there as well. Um, factory orders actually took a step back in May, uh, lost 0.8%, uh, down not quite 1%. Uh, it, that's pretty important. Uh, you look at factory orders, it's an early indicator as to um, what demand might be in the, in the overall economy. Uh, U.S. FOMC minutes came out last week, and what's uh, or this week, rather, what's really interesting to me is you see uh, a little bit of a split among the uh, the Fed governors as to when they might announce and start uh, the the unwind of quantitative easing, uh, trying to get their balance sheet lower. Um, there were some that uh, actually wanted them to wait for a couple of months, and um, as we know, they didn't. Uh, we heard the the news 
a few weeks ago that um, the Fed is looking to unwind their balance sheet. So uh, we got that coming. Uh, Casey, you and I talked about this a little earlier today, um, what that means. Obviously, the Fed not necessarily selling, but they're also not buying. So when you buy uh, in the bond market, prices go up, yields go down. Uh, what we've seen is those yields continue to go down, but I, I think it might be more economic-related you right. know, relative to uh, all that's going on. But uh, the Fed seems set on letting the, the balance sheet uh, get kind of a reset. So how that will happen is uh, the bonds they bought uh, to, to prop up the, uh, the long end of the market, meaning to make yields lower uh, to try to help long us out of the housing. lower, right. Right, yeah, to try to help us out of the, uh, the housing crisis. Um, those bonds are maturing, and they're just basically not going to – buy new bonds with the proceeds. So uh, we'll see a little more about that. So in what would you expect months, to be the result of that? If they do if they do end up shrinking their balance sheet, then that would be – that would flatten the yield curve a little bit, wouldn't it, or, or not uh, well, necessarily? Well, uh, you know, if, if you assume that it's, uh, it's tantamount to selling, um, selling on the, the long end would actually drive prices down and yields yield higher. Yields would go higher. So, yeah. so you would expect curve. it. To steepen, but uh, over the last few months, we have not been seeing that kind of action. Uh, the yield curve has uh, has um, tightened a little bit between, and by that I mean the two-year uh, Treasury versus the ten-year Treasury. The margin between the yields on those two have gotten smaller. So, right. um, I don't think it's something to worry about just yet, but uh, surely something that we watch quite a bit. Uh, ISM manufacturing, oh, non-manufacturing, sorry about that, uh, non-manufacturing index rose uh, from 56.9 in May to 57, uh, 56.9 in April to 57.4 in May, I believe, uh, better than the above consensus forecast of uh, 56.7. So uh, non-manufacturing, which accounts for about 88% of GDP, this is the services index, uh, you know, kind of a long way to say that, but uh, um, is is looking a bit stronger uh, in the market. Um, MBA mortgage applications, we look at this one every week. Um, the overall composite index in, uh, increased by 1.4%. Refinance index decreased, and the purchase index moved higher. Not really surprising. It's summertime. Folks are out buying houses. Uh, the economy's pretty good, so uh, you see folks that are that are uh, buying up a little bit. In, yeah, and uh, while interest rates have been house. going up a little bit, there's still pretty good deals out there. I mean, it's not yeah. like you're having trouble getting financing and being able to afford the payments. So exactly. still still a good time to buy. Yeah, if we look at uh, 30-year average uh, on mortgages, 3.96%, um, which is uh, not a huge change from last week, but it's still high enough that it's not in the, not giving uh, anybody any kind of uh, encouragement to to get out and refinance. I mean, we've had such a long cycle of abilities to refinance. If you wanted to do it by now, you would expect that you would uh, have done so. Uh, we've got uh, jobless claims. Uh, when is there ever bad news in jobless claims lately? Yeah. It's, uh, it's the same old story. Employment situation has always been looking good. Guys, let's take a real quick break right here and uh, pay a few bills. We'll come back in a minute. You're listening to Money Talks. Stick around.
Dog of the Week. Here we go, guys. Uh, Dog of the Week this week is kind of related to financial planning. And since, uh, Jared, you got that big head full of knowledge with your CWS and MBA and CFP and all that stuff, I expect that you're going to be offended by this. This whole thing, as you know, soccer fans are nuts. Don't offend me on air, Troy. You know this don't turn out good. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm afraid to be nice to you because I saw how you hugged up on KC in the last segment. I, I'm doing anything I can to keep hey. off my leg. Okay. We'll go ahead with your dog then. Oh, thanks. Thanks for not interrupting. <laughs> um, so you know how soccer fans are just absolutely nuts. There is a guy in Mexico. He originally from uh, Monterey. Uh told his wife he was going to go out for some cigarettes. He was headed to the OXO. I assume this is a convenience store in, in uh, Mexico. Supposedly they're pretty widely uh, dispersed in the, in the country of Mexico. Uh, took the opportunity to make a uh, transatlantic flight to Russia to watch his favorite soccer team, the uh, Mexican national team, take on the Russians. And uh, here, here's where you become offended. You ready for this, Jerry? I'm ready. All right. It only cost him his whole life savings. Now, as his financial planner, would you have That's told a no him that was, that was pretty good, easy, easy go for it kind of thing? His soccer team was playing in Russia? His soccer team was playing in Russia, and they might actually make he actually the on Confederations the team, or come. <laughs> he's just a fan. Well, he is a fan. I mean, is there any doubting that a guy that does that is a fan? Yeah, he, yeah, he is a fanatic. Yeah, he, sometimes, he is, sometimes you got to prove a point. If it costs you your life savings. And your wife, you know, maybe. I mean, you're okay you, with that? You come back. Not leaving forever. <laughs> Who, the wife? So sure it was, a round, money. it was a round-trip ticket, right? I don't know, man. I hope um, they came back, back with cigarettes. Yeah. That's all I know. <laughs> anyway, oh, so No, if, that would have been a terrible, terrible decision to make. Yeah, I, did I they just, win? Uh, yeah, they actually did win, and uh, wow. they have the possibility. I, I mean, at this point, if your team doesn't win the Confederations Cup, it was all for naught, right? Yeah. So let's just cheer on Mexico every time you see them playing from this point on. Yeah. It's true. I mean, how, how think about this particular story, and how in the world can you not, for for good old Arturo Garcia, how can you not cheer for Mexico? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I pulling for him. Mm-hmm. A few weeks back, I actually went with uh, with some of the crew around here to uh, uh, Kennesaw State University when uh, Atlanta United was playing over there, and uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. But I kept asking them, you know, the only reason I came here was for the riot. When is that going to break out? <laughs> and when you've got fans like this, yeah, now yeah. I can see why you have yeah. to assume that at any given moment that a European style soccer riot might might break mm-hmm. out. Just whatever. But anyhow, all the Europeans have no idea what you're talking about right now. They would say, "Was it football?" Football. Yeah, this is straight coming from you. That County. Yeah. See, yeah, I don't know pretty, these pretty big words. Yeah, that is a real big word, Jared. <laughs> I, uh, I'm impressed whether anyone else is or not. Oh, but I'm glad you're referring to it in the correct way, which is soccer. Soccer. Yeah, I mean, it's always been soccer to me, even you know when I was a kid and nobody played it. But it seems like everybody plays it now. Yeah. If you're a landowner in, in Paulding, it's soccer. Oh, I don't even have soccer in Paulding. I didn't even know they had <laughs> landowners in Paulding. Yeah, of course. I mean, you are one. You 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 inspired me to go and, and right. acquire some land there. So, yes, I, I do. You know, uh, I used to call category. it football. 
Yeah, that's what they call it down in Albany, right? Albany. That's right. right. And that brings up another question: Is is it really Albany? And you say I say I say Albany, but you know I'm sure there are folks down there that say. Is that where you grew up? It is Albany. Yep, I did first twenty years of my life there. Yeah, is it very similar to Pauling County or not? Uh, It's much flatter. Much flatter. It is much flatter. It's quite quite as rural, but uh, yeah, yeah, much flatter. All right. Well. I guess we can move on now. We've got a, uh, a situation, as I like to call them. I know some folks uh, would call it something else, but it's a bad word to <laughs> yeah, others. So uh, We'd have to drop you right there. Uh, yeah, right. Don't, don't do that. Um, I'm already wounded enough. Uh, so uh, we've got, we got a topic. We'll call it that. <laughs> it's time for a mid-year financial checkup, and you guys are going to step us through what that might mean. Am yeah. I am I correct in assuming so? Absolutely. Well, being mid year, it is about that time, and and frankly, uh, a lot of a lot of folks tend to you know during tax season, which typically happens in the first quarter, uh, most people are inundated with finances and and tend to be engulfed with that process then, and so you know they'll, they'll do a rebalance then or, or make adjustments where necessary with their finances during that time, and then it just seems that you know once tax season's over, at least the first part of it, uh, they let it go, and then you know their accounts start to go in different directions depending on the performance of the market and uh it's it's very difficult to just you know let it let it ride and and not pay very good attention to um you know what's going on with the investments while you're on vacation frankly is where i'm going with this and uh during the summer months, we tend to see a lot of inactivity from our clients. And so, um, you know, when that happens, that is when we recommend uh, that if they're not on vacation and, and doing, uh, you know, things with their kids while they're out of school, that they actually do uh, revisit some of this in case um, maybe like quarterly checkups, things like that. Uh, we try and connect with clients and, and make sure that things are still on track as, as we had put them on track uh, earlier in the year. And so, yeah, it's just it's ideal, we believe, to do this. Uh, during this time because of it being a downtime things at the end of the year you tend to get very busy and with the beginning of the year you got tax season and so uh, this is something to keep an eye on during the middle of the year when there's not maybe as much going on from a financial perspective yeah absolutely and I, I think a big part of that is keeping taxes in mind I mean uh, you know our CPAs around here like to say that it's much much easier to do your tax planning during the tax year than after the first when you're scrambling around you know trying to go back and you know, when you can still make retirement plan contributions, you can still you can adjust your 401k, the amount that you're contributing. You can look at your tax withholding situation, kind of uh, you know get your CPA to run you a, a tax estimate to kind of figure out where you are for the year. All all those things that can be done easily during this time. Uh, as J- Jarrett mentioned, when it's a little bit slower, summertime. There's uh, usually a little bit uh, more time to kind of prepare for those things and more time to make adjustments if you need to. So that's really the biggest the biggest thing we wanted to get across was just taking a look at what your tax situation looks like, what uh, what your retirement plans, you know, uh, any accounts that you can fund before the end of the year and you can start doing that. You should have a pretty good idea of what your budget looks like, what your income might be, mm-hmm. all those things that you get halfway through the year that are starting to become a little bit clearer um, insurance needs, you know, uh, a lot of things that can be done while you're, you know, even sitting by the beach 
watching your kids. I was going to say, should you do this before or after you go on vacation? Because if you plan before vacation, it seems yeah. to me like you might not even go. <laughs> or you, you might enjoy it more if you get it out of the way, you know. But, yeah. I mean, to, to, to let you in on a little secret here, I mean, because it tends to be that people are not as active with their finances during these summer months like this, well, what does that mean for us? Well, things are a little slower around here, too. Sure. Not not to they say are. that there's not much going on, but at the end of the day, I mean, if you really want, uh, you know, because, I mean, I would imagine you're only going on vacation for a week or two out of the entire summer. Yeah. So there's presumably quite a few other weeks in which you'd have to address some of this stuff with your financial planner or advisor. And, frankly, I would I would think that most advisors are in the same boat as us as far as that's concerned. And so, you know, if you want to get a little more time from your advisor, if, you know, not that they're cutting it short on you, but if you you think uh, you might want to dive into some of this in the summer months, then uh, I think it'd be a great time to do so because uh, there's not a lot of people doing it. And even if, even if you have you know run plans or if you've looked at created a budget and say oh, I w- expect to save X amount you know by the end of the year, well just go back and take a look. Are you on track to do that? If not, let's see if we can make adjustments to, to get you where you need to be, or maybe we just need to revise the the plan to show uh, either a reduced or an increased amount of savings or income or whatever the you know whatever goals maybe you've had at the beginning of the year have changed i mean i personally like to use july 1 as sort of a a new new year's you know it's like all those resolutions that you said on january 1 have probably gone by the wayside so here's your opportunity to kind of do it again <laughs> that's right get a fresh start on things so there you go uh, uh, so what do you think about the portfolio. Do you review the portfolio as well? Absolutely. I know it's uh, it's not something that you guys talk a lot about, but yeah. I've I've been harping on everybody with the market uh, conditions as they are, and I've always talked about in the last few weeks. It uh, looks a little expensive. It's probably a good time to go ahead and rebalance that portfolio yep. while you're at it. Rebalance. I mean, it's a great time to take liquidity if you need to to have money for your what we say is the ten year rule. But yeah. you know, if you if you're going to need money from the portfolio in the near term, yeah, spending needs, say, right? Uh, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, so the market's the, at a good the, point to do that. Exactly, especially now. But even if that weren't the case and the markets were down a little bit, it still would be an opportunity to maybe harvest some losses, yep. take some gains that you had or offset some gains that you had taken earlier in the year. Rather. Yeah, there's no rule that says you have to harvest losses at the end of the year. If you get right. a, a pullback during the year, you can t- take losses then and just you know buy your investments back after 31 days to avoid a wash sale. Um, so then you're in, in good shape from that standpoint. So yeah. a lot of yeah. considerations. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and why not spend some time? Like you said, Jarrett, uh, I yeah. know around here um, – you uh, you don't see near as many clients walking in uh, as you do toward right. the end of the year, or definitely during tax season. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, take the opportunity if you want to catch up with your uh, financial planner, especially if it's as charming as Casey or Jared. I mean, <laughs> and it's, how it's well been, could you not? It's been pretty good spend. golfing weather, so you know, give us a call. We'll go <laughs> That's play right. golf. We can if discuss can, all this on the course. You know? <laughs> yeah. We don't have to be at a table. If you can get around in between rainstorms around <laughs> here, true. it's been yeah. pretty tough. Well, guys, let's take another quick break. Uh, we'll be back with some. Uh, Uh, answers to your financial questions coming right up. Uh, Stick around. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. You're listening to Money Talks.
When you start investing in stocks, you seek investment advice. When you seek investment advice, you go to the Internet. When you go to the Internet, you start believing all the wacky correlations spouted by armchair analysts. When you start believing those wacky correlations, you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh. When you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh, you offend your lactose intolerant girlfriend, who in turn moves out. When your girlfriend moves out, you can't afford rent on your own because all your money is tied up in the stock market. When you can't afford rent on your own, you become homeless and alone. Thank you. Don't become homeless and alone. Get rid of financial advice from armchair analysts and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. That internet is a scary place, fellas. What? Tell you. That's where it started. Do you not listen to our music? <laughs> if you listen to well, the information, was Bangladesh. Bangladesh. <laughs> That's another big so, word, Jared. I don't know what you're racking up uh, today. You know, I've been uh, teaching my kids some, uh, what do they call it these days, ELA? I don't even know what that stands for. But I'm not I sure you're talking about ELO, <laughs> Electric Light Orchestra. Yeah, that was a now you're getting a little hit bit. Hit band uh, from, what's it, 70s or so? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you weren't around in the coming 70s, around. were you, Jared? You can call me out on the radio again. I just ask you, were you around in the 70s? No, but I will be around in all my clients' 70s because I'm still young enough to be their financial planner for another I'm 40 years. Wow, you really put that on the T for them, didn't wow. you? Wow. That was pretty good, Jared. I'm, I'm, not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure it was all that good. but we'll, It we'll was something. I'm to use it while I can. I won't always be able to use that. So, you know. It's all right. Um, so if uh, you have questions that you would like for us to answer on the air, you can always get in touch with us by calling 770-429-9166. You'll speak to a real human being uh, if you call that number. If you uh, would like to email them to us, you can email drgene at hensler.com. That's H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. Uh, you can also call our question hotline. We've uh, had this out a few uh, months now. Uh, the number is 1-855-429-9166. Uh, the way it works is you call in, you leave your message, your question. Uh, we play the question, and then we answer your question on the air. So uh, Please call the question hotline. That's always fun. It, it is a lot of fun. <laughs> we have to uh, make sure. We had one not long ago that we had to make sure and, uh, and get it edited properly so that uh, no one would be offended but uh, uh, we made it through well those are even more fun so feel free we will edit it they really are a lot of fun we can listen to them uh, behind the scenes and kind of feel just how angry you might be about a certain stock or another that's we didn't uh, have anybody call in this week did we we did not no no call-ins this week at disneyland they are probably at disneyland i'm sure they're going to be listening to your uh comments on the radio and they'll drop what they're doing and they're going to start financial planning right wherever they are right away no doubt it well, when they get back from that place they're going to need to call me <laughs> yeah everything you, the water is too expensive to drink down <laughs> yeah. there it's ridiculous yeah all right so uh we do have a few questions this week uh paul from vinings has uh, asked us he says i've owned shares of expedia for a little less than six months while the dip this past january wasn't about to bankrupt me it did make me question my pick uh, it's close to where I bought it. Do I sell and find something less volatile or all cyclical goods stocks this volatile? Um, Expedia is kind of a new uh, creation, obviously. If you've watched TV for more than five minutes, you've probably seen uh, Expedia or a Priceline ad. Yep. Um, Expedia is an online uh, travel company, as mm-hmm. is their biggest competitor, Priceline. And believe it or not, many of the companies that you see 
uh, online are all tied together in one or the other of those two companies. Uh, when I look at what's going on, the earnings growth over the past five years for Expedia is negative 0.01, so it's relatively flat. Uh, you look at what revenues have done, though, and it's really impressive, 25.5%. Um, EVA spreads negative. I talk about this a lot. It's uh, basically return on invested capital minus the uh, cost of capital. Uh, when it's negative, you arguably have a, a negative economic profit. Mm -hmm. uh, not something that I revere too much. Debt to equity. It's uh, you know this is a basically an internet site. They've they've uh, levered up a good bit. Seventy six and a half percent debt. Uh, to their relative to their equity, uh, the company's not as profitable as I would have expected. Uh, return on assets is 2.2 uh, percent, while return on equity is eight and a half percent. The differential there is usually made up because of the difference in the uh, in the debt. If you use debt holders' money to uh, run your operations, then you your uh, equity holders actually wind up getting better returns. So uh, yeah, this is kind of similar to one we looked at last week, uh, Blue Apron. I think. I mean, right. th there's. There's a fair amount of competition out there in that, that space. It's nothing that's right. uh, th that they can create a very wide moat around being able to, you know, differentiate themselves from their competitors. So, right. uh, you know, n nothing that is incredibly different. Yeah, exactly. So let me make a point on top of that one, KC. The brands for Expedia include, now, you've heard of all of these, Hotels.com, Trivago, Orbitz, HomeAway, Hotwire, Travelocity, and CarRentals.com. All of those companies are wrapped up in this, and the reason that they are is because every time somebody comes out with a, a new iteration of online travel, uh, guess what happens? There's a, there's a bid and war. Expedia or Priceline buys them up. If you want to talk about Priceline, um, they're booking.com, kayak, open table, rentalcars.com. I mean, it's and priceline.com, obviously the namesake. So that's just the way that this whole game is played. You get somebody else that comes out there, they uh, present a threat, they get bought out. I'll be honest with you, I don't like the business model. And uh, for that reason, I would say I would avoid Priceline and Expedia, uh, neither of which actually meet our criteria for, uh, for investing. So uh, there you have it, Paul. I hope that helps you. I would sell it and buy myself, buy myself something that uh, had a bit of a better business model. Um, guys, we got another one here. Um, Amber from Roswell writes to ask, my son will be co-oping his senior year in college, so he'll be working full-time on and off for a pretty big company. Since he's starting to enter the real world, I was hoping to give him some guidance on personal finance. What would you go over? I think some basic money management techniques would be smart thing. I mean, from a budgeting perspective, if he's not already, you know, done some of that throughout college, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, it's something he'd probably want to consider going into his, his first job or having his first real income, I would say. Uh, and then, you know, maybe some credit management, because I know that's something a lot of folks run into uh, upon coming out, even if they have good credit, uh, if they've never really had any kind of extension of credit uh, during college, be it through a home loan or, uh, you know, any, any kind of utilities company, anything like like that that would help them build credit. Uh, it's going to be very difficult to get after the fact, so it may be a good idea while he is uh, earning an income and still having pretty low expenses, I would imagine, to maybe start uh, a credit card and uh, use his income to pay that off each month to start to build some credit. Uh, you know, the, the budgeting and the credit piece is two things I know is something I would focus on uh, with, with if I had a, a child coming right out of college because it's, it's such an important piece around that time. But. Yeah, when we do financial planning, I mean, it, it, a lot of it does 
factor in, you know, inflation and time value of money and, and asset allocation, which is all very important. So I'm not trying to downplay that at all. But if you don't have a budget, you don't know how much you spend, you don't know how much you save or can save, then that really is all gone for naught because, uh, you know, the most important thing, even with our clients that are very complex, at the end of the day, it comes down to, how much do you spend, and are you spending at a sustainable level to where you can be solvent? So uh, to having that budgeting piece is, is very important. Um, when you start to get into the investments, you know, then you do want to look at, you know, risk tolerance, how, how much risk do you want to take? I mean, time horizon for somebody this this age is going to be very long, I would think, so there's probably sure. a pretty good chance they could take on a relatively you know decent amount of risk and be able to to hopefully get some good returns from that um but the fact that you know a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow and um and then how do you how do you allocate your assets to to achieve a rate of return that's reasonable but um, you know, that's going to give you a, a, an acceptable amount of risk and hopefully reward. Yeah. Uh, Casey, I'm glad that you actually covered it in that way, uh, you know, talking about the budget first and then going into investments. Until you get that that cornerstone of your budget set up, you really have no business trying to invest any money. And I Absolutely. know that young kids quite often will uh, kind of get the cart before the horse in that regard. And, you know, I've even seen some who grew up uh, – or came of age during 2007 and 8 they saw the the risks that were that uh, caused a huge crash in the market obviously yeah. and a lot of them aren't willing to take enough risk yeah. and uh, i think you got to be real careful of that and this ties back into that inflation comment you made if your investment is not sufficient to overcome inflation you're actually still going backwards. Yeah. So if you you're took your money and you didn't, power. yeah, if you didn't want to take on enough risk, you stuff your money in the mattress. Guess what? Whatever inflation is, if it's two percent this year, you just went from a hundred percent to ninety-eight percent over a year's time. Yeah. You have to be mindful yep. of uh, the risk you're taking. And to your point, uh, when you're young, you have a, a longer investment horizon, so you should be able to take on more risk. And basically, what that says is, if there is a significant downturn in the market, you have time to recover from that loss. Yeah. We look at long-term returns uh, in the S&P 500 and note that uh, it makes 10.5% since 1925. Think of all that's happened during that period. Well, and even the, the more staggering number to me, Troy, and this is something that I tell clients all the time, is if you look back at the the rolling 10-year period since 1926, there's been two times when the market wasn't higher at the end of the 10-year period than it was at the beginning. Absolutely. And it was yeah. basically flat during yep. those two periods. So Yeah, so make sure that they're, ta- they're willing to take on enough risk, but absolutely not until they get that budget in place. Yep. All right, guys, let's take a real quick break, and we'll come back for our final segment. You're listening to Money Talks. The Money Talks. We've got some more questions. Uh, if you want to reach us to uh, ask your questions, uh, you can always call 770-429-9166, or you can email us at uh, drgene at hensler.com. That, again, is H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. You can also reach us on social media. I forget what all we're on, but uh, I think we have a Facebook uh, presence as well as uh, LinkedIn. Yeah. And, That's right. Twitter. Uh, Twitter. Yeah, we got Twitter. So, uh 
If you want to subscribe to the podcast, there there you go. Yeah. That's, uh, For those of you not listening on the podcast now, that's a great medium to, to catch us on the show if you can't listen on Saturday mornings. There you go. Straight from the mouth of Jarrett McKenzie. That's right. CWS. Jarrett McKenzie, CWS. W. W. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Did I not say it right, sir? Uh, no, well, I just okay. saying like my friend George. George W. All right. Uh, we got a question from Gary from Kennesaw. He's saying, uh, I'm looking for some good plays in the industrial sector. What do you think of Mueller Industries or Hillenbrand Incorporated? Uh, Mueller Industries is a manufacturer of copper, brass, aluminum, and plastic products. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm not too crazy about industrials at all right now, but uh, if I was going to be crazy about one, it probably wouldn't be uh, Mueller, who has all the exposure to uh, basic materials as well. So uh, if you look at the details here, uh, it's not closely followed by any analysts, so it gives you a little bit of information. Sometimes that can be a good thing, though. You can uh, you can get outsized returns from time to time uh, with a company that analysts don't follow because they, it's easy to surprise when nobody's looking, right? Uh, you can have earnings growth. And in this case, Mueller's got 9.16% earnings growth over, growth over the last five years. Um, but you look at some of the other details, and I'm really just not impressed. It does pay a dividend, 1.3% uh, yield. Uh, honestly, I'd rather look in the, uh, in the staples, consumer staples right now, or uh, even utilities. Uh, Dividend-paying stocks have done quite well over the last couple of years, and I really don't see an end to that uh, based on the fact that uh, interest rates, I think uh, the Fed's top um, target is about 3%, currently at 1% to 1.25%. Uh, if you stay relatively short uh, on the yield curve or buy-in dividend-paying stocks, I, I think you'd do better there. Uh, when you're talking about Hillenbrand, uh, it's a diversified industrial company. It actually owns a company that uh, that is more staple-like, and that is Batesville Caskets. Um, I think. I, I mean, there's always going to be a need for caskets, right? Exactly. Yeah, and uh, if you look at the earnings growth over the past five years in uh, Hillenbrand, 5.42 percent, uh, expected to be about eight and a half percent going forward. Uh, dividend 2.29 percent, so it's a pretty respectable dividend. It's well covered, 2.4 times. Uh, debt to equity 96 and a half, so it's you know it's almost 50-50 debt and equity. Uh, uh, Funded, um, but all things considered, I'd still rather. I mean, if if you're looking look for something that's more diversified, now I would take it one step further because uh, I like 3M. Uh, if you look at what's going on with 3M, and it's it's one of the companies that I do recommend uh, to our clients. Um, it's a uh, it's a big diversified uh, industrial company. Uh, ROA at about 15.4%. You look back on the uh, return on assets for uh, Hillenbrand is 6.9, so uh, much more profitable. The return on equity at 44.9 versus uh, Hillenbrand at 20.9%. Revenue growth is about 3%. Uh, Hillenbrand, caskets or not, does have a negative uh, three-year growth, negative uh, 1%, relatively flat, but it is going a little bit in the wrong direction. So uh, all things considered, I would rather see uh, 3M in a portfolio than uh, Hillenbrand. Now, I will tell you this. Uh -oh. All, just about everything I look at these days looks a little expensive yeah, relative to its... That's where I was about to go. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that you would probably prefer a staple to an industrial at this point, you know, all things yeah. equal. So would that be uh, an indication of 
maybe the market being a little bit overvalued and, and yep. expectation that we're, we, you know, we've been on this bull rally for what, eight Over years? Eight, yeah, eight and a half almost. Eight and a half. So, you know, I guess at some point all good things must come to an end. That's true. Obviously, we don't know when that's going to happen or right. uh, what that t- time horizon looks like. But yeah, with the, the there's some things in the market, some indications that, you know, a pullback would not be out of the realm of possibility. Is that? Yeah, the bull market is, is mature. I mean, at this point, you, you've got um, employment, uh, unemployment that's, uh, that's showing you that we're near full employment. Uh, prices are a little expensive. Uh, I think a pullback could cure it. And I think also if we saw uh, some true changes in Washington, we, we uh, ran up on the hope that we would get uh, significant regulatory changes. And I, honestly, has anybody seen them? About the biggest change that we've seen is we did get a new Supreme Court justice. Yeah. Um, beyond that, we really haven't seen anything. Health care failed uh, to get through just before the 4th of July uh, congressional break. Uh, we're sitting yeah. here wondering where the real change is coming, and you can't run up well, uh, you prices without some fundamental support. And mm-hmm. we were talking about this a little bit before the show, Troy, but, I mean, the, the House is, was able to pass their their version of the health care bill. The Senate right. has, is still in limbo. They haven't voted on it yet. Right. Um, probably because they're, you know, good chance they can't secure the votes for it. Right. Uh, at least not at this point in the current stage. So uh, they got to pass the health care legislation before they can come up with their budget because uh, there's a lot that's in the you know Affordable Care Act that's related to tied to the budget. So if that's going right. to stay, then they're going to have to to factor that into their their fiscal budget. That's correct. And then you know they can't do the tax reform until they figure out what their budget looks like. Exactly. So I mean I, it, it's starting to look a little bit grim that we get anything done as far as tax reform goes before the end of the year. All right. And then if you if you drag it out to 2018, my concern is that you know it's the midterm election cycle and everybody's going to be focused on that and not wanting to really change anything uh, that's going to be major prior to, you know, their seat possibly being up for grabs. So uh, I think there's a, there's a steep road to hoe there for uh, sure. Republicans and, and yep. getting the legislation passed. So like you said, the market ran up on hope, and uh, that hope might be fading a little bit. And yeah. So just kind of surprising considering how much control the Republicans have, you know, across Congress and right. you know, the White House. I describe it like this: it's almost like you got three parties exactly. in Washington. Though, mm-hmm. if you look at the bifurcation of the the Republican Party, and one is very conservative, the the Freedom Caucus is very conservative, and then you got everybody else in the Republican Party who seem to want to get something done, but mm. it's just not happening. Um, you know, it, it's uh, and there's not going to be any kind of bipartisan support, so everything's no. going to have to be unilateral, which makes it difficult when you've got a bifurcated party that's in right. control. Yeah, and so. uh, the the thing is, you shouldn't be surprised at that uh, at that unilateral action. That's how we got Obamacare. There was not a single Republican vote that went into giving us that particular piece of and legislation. And I think that's what the Republicans are are nervous about that from the standpoint of uh, that, that cost Democrats a lot of seats in the the election, the midterm elections, and then right. subsequently the the presidential and and the next presidential race. Uh, yeah. So they're they're uh, some interesting questions and things that are going to be answered or, or not answered. <laughs> it seems maybe not answered. Uh, yeah. There's there's some yeah. folks that I've talked to lately that uh, are telling me that it might be first quarter 2018 before we see any meaningful changes in legislation, uh, which is you know about six months further down the road than uh, they were telling us six months ago. Right. So uh, you know we're still sitting here. 
dealing with hope, we see the, the volatility in the markets kicking up just a little bit here and there. Uh, gives me reason to, to want to, um, I wouldn't say de-risk, but I surely would get my portfolio in line with my long-term strategy, making sure that it is, uh, you know, that the gains are taken off the table and I'm, I'm sitting where I really want to be. Well, and, that, you know, the way that we invest, with, uh, we have a very high-quality standard that we set for our, even our equity portfolio. So, we, you know, if we do go into any kind of downturn, you would expect that, that our portfolio should perform a little bit better than the market just right. based on the fact that we don't take as much risk. Um, so the high quality tends to outperform when we get it, get into a, a poorer market conditions. Um, so from that standpoint, to your point, rebalancing uh, is a good good option. You should move into some of those staples and, and things like that if your portfolio is set up the way ours is. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, to, to answer your question, if you got to, Hill & Brand's okay. I'd rather see you in a 3M that's got more diversity. Uh, you know, if you if you uh, really want to heed my, my true warning, I would probably overweight consumer staples just a little bit going into the uh, the next little bit. So, Jarrett, this is the time of the uh, radio show where you make a complete and utter uh, jerk of yourself again. So what's the market about to do? <laughs> Let me flip my coin. Wow. Hold on. Let's check this. <laughs> you, you <laughs> okay, going with heads. Uh, I guess that means we're going, going up. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go up to sharply. Sharply. Wow. Okay. I always say up. KC, what would you say? I said up to. All right. Awesome. You've been listening to Money Talks. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.